Hey guys, and welcome to the channel. And as you can see, I'm joined by Gil Gross. And we're going to be going over Roland Garros 2022, reviewing it. And of course, a special live just for you guys. Uh, I did ask beforehand and say, what do you guys think? Do you want something live? And you guys are like, yeah, of course. Of course you want something live. So here we are. And already people starting to stream in. So thanks for getting involved. Sakeo already saying bonsoir in French. So keeping to, uh, to French just for today. And then obviously we'll transition to grass tomorrow. And Nottingham, which Gil has been uh, covering for Tennis Channel as well. So he's already in grass court mode as well. How are you doing, Gil? I'm good, Faizan. Thank you for uh, for having me. And uh, excited to to talk some tennis with you as always. No problem at all. No problem at all. Uh, thanks for being on as always. Uh, great to have you on. Of course, guys, as well, drop any uh, questions you might have in the chat. And we'll leave about five to ten minutes at the end to go through some uh, some interesting questions. Some people have already put some in the community tab and obviously priority to members as well. Uh, but Gil, first of all, uh, Shiontek and Nadal came out on top. And Rafa, of course, winning his 14th Roland Garros and 22nd Slam. And I think we talked about it um, off air. And you said, look, you know, once Rafa's foot looked like it was going to be okay, it was a question of, you know what, it wasn't surprising at all. Uh, but in, considering you beat, what, top two, what top 10 players, four of them? Four top yep. 10 players. So only the third player apart from Mats Willander and I think it was Roger Federer. So Mats Willander, I'm going to test my knowledge in 1982, I want to say. And Federer was 2017. Uh, so Australian Open. So the only other two players to do it. So, I mean, from your point of view, was it just a question of, you know what? It was, it was des destined to happen. Destined to happen after the foot looked okay. As soon as the foot looked okay, it it felt like okay, you know, Nadal is uh Nadal is probably the favorite in that case. Um and you know, we didn't really know. I guess the, the one thing, the one caveat there is we've seen the the foot issues come out of nowhere with with no warning. Um and and my my thing coming into the tournament is I I thought about last year and how how long the foot issue when it flared up ended up keeping him out. And, you know, the failed comeback at the city open uh, where I ended up losing to Lloyd Harris. I thought about 2004 and, and how he missed months and months in 2004 when that foot condition, the, the Mueller Weiss syndrome flared up. So I was, uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, if he's limping off the court in Rome and this is the history of the injury, there could be trouble here in terms of, his condition and what we know now is that he basically medically went all in he was like look i am going to do whatever it takes to play this 2022 roland garros he had his doctor with him he said doc let's try to do this let's figure it out and they did uh with the with the anesthetic injections so, you know, now we kind of have an understanding and, you know, from a tennis perspective, I thought the Nadal Djokovic matchup uh, looked a lot like a lot of their previous meetings. You can ask me further about it. Of, of course, uh, he got a, a good break against Verev on, on you know, an unfortunate thing um, for, for Sasha and very difficult to watch, but uh, undoubtedly a, a helpful stroke of, of good fortune for Nadal um, in terms of not not having to move forward and, and win three sets in that match. Uh, then, you know, 
a total class against Casper Ruud. Oh, and you know what? Uh, the, the Felix match was no joke because that was as well as Felix can possibly play. I mean, he was he was 10 out of 10 performance there. And Nadal played the perfect fifth set, just the perfect fifth set. So it was an it was an amazing run. Yeah, it really was an ace. We can talk a little bit about the, the Djokovic match because we were talking about it beforehand. And I said that, you know, I almost felt like Djokovic was expecting the foot to be a little bit iffy uh, going into, I guess, that Novak match because he just played Felix over five sets, like a really grueling five-setter as well. I mean, it could have gone either way, but as you said, he played a really good five-set, uh, well, fifth set, sorry, even. Uh, and the three sets he won, he played some really good tennis. And I think it was, once I remember, because I was doing the commentary for it, he was... I think he hit like 16 winners to four unforced errors. Like it was like an incredible set of tennis. And he really turned it on towards the back end of the fifth set where he was just hitting winners left, right and center. And he just, he kind of upped up through the gears and went through the gears, I guess a little bit how he did at the end of the final, but uh, pretty much, I guess, more impressively against someone like Felix who was serving as well as he was as well, uh, which is really impressive. And, I guess going into the Novak match, Novak was expecting him to maybe have a little bit of a, a limp, you know, a little bit of a niggle and start slowly. But Rafa did exactly the opposite and started really quickly. And what the the first, what, three, well, three out of the four sets, Rafa was in front and broke him straight away in, in Novak's first service game in each of those sets. Mm -hmm. And he really was on the back foot straight away. And yeah, he came, he was 5-2 up in the final or fourth set, sorry. And Rafa recovered great, but I mean, it was an uphill battle throughout. Do you think there was a little bit of a kind of a mental edge that Rafa had over Novak just in this specific match? Not in general, but in this specific match, just because maybe Djokovic was thinking that, oh, you know, he's going to have a little bit of a niggle and I've got an advantage. I can just kind of work my way into it. But instead, Rafa kind of came out the blocks really quickly. And whereas in some of the other matches, to be fair, he started off quite slowly and he's looked really iffy on serve, but it was the complete opposite. So I, I hadn't thought of it until until you bring it up that that maybe there was a bit of a, a surprise factor for for Novak with just how okay uh, Rafa was physically, and um, I mean the one thing I can say is uh, Djokovic was the favorite uh, according to you know the odds, and I think he he may have felt that. Uh, not that I think he's checking the odds, but I think the fact that a lot of people expected uh, him coming into the tournament to actually have the upper hand over over Rafa, you know, he might have felt that. That's a completely unique position for for Djokovic, and um, so you have that factor. Now, I don't really think that should be a problem. Novak is used to being the favorite, but uh, one of the things that was a little bit. Um, strange in that match from Djokovic's perspective was uh the the body language and the negativity and what could be perceived as a lack of uh a lack of kind of fight back um a lack of willingness to grind like we saw in 2020 when Nadal won in straight sets and uh you know even Isovic for example his coach he seemed really upset actually with uh with Djokovic's, not his, you know, his tennis, but with his, uh, with his fight, uh, which is, uh, which was interesting. So maybe there was some psychological things there that were, uh, were not handled well by Novak. I mean, that's on him. You know, it's not, I, I, 
if I were to say like, um, I mean, I, but but I, I think it's it's worth exploring as as a factor. I think you might be onto something there. It's interesting because you said about even Eastwich, and he said after that it was a chasm, I guess, in in both players' body languages uh, right. before or during the match as well. I thought at the time, like, that's a bit of a weird thing to say in terms of it's not really an excuse, if that makes sense, or a strange excuse. But then actually when I thought about it, I thought maybe the point he's trying to make, and sometimes it's not always translated in the right way because obviously I don't think English is obviously even Eastwich's first language. But um, a lot of people were saying that you know, Novak maybe not just to do with the foot, and he was a bit surprised that Rafa was moving so well as he did allude to after the press, after the match and the presser. But he wasn't happy with the crowd as well, was he? I think he said ninety nine point nine percent of the crowd was cheering on Rafa. And I wanted to ask you because there was a similar thing with Medvedev in the Australian Open where he wasn't happy, and I think we both, I think we did catch up on that, and we both kind of agreed. Yeah. And I don't want to speak on your behalf, but that you know, Medvedev should have expected that. Like, why would you not expect Rafa, who's won, you know, so many slams and is a is a fan favorite in Australia, for example, um, to not be the the kind of the crowd's favorite going into that? And do you think Novak? I mean, Novak's obviously a completely different level, but still, Rafa had won thirteen Roland Garros titles. He's a favorite there. Should Novak have put that to the back of his mind and thought, look, actually, I might not be cheered, but that doesn't matter, and it's not surprising. Um, do you think he was a little bit? I guess he was taking too much from the fact that the crowd was against him and let it play on his mind. Because I feel like with Novak, there is, it's a good thing and a bad thing at times because it's such an emotionally charged relationship he has with some certain crowds. And I feel like yeah. the only crowds where he's guaranteed to really be like an overwhelming favorite and the crowd's really behind him is Serbia, Italy, and Australia, I feel. Um, but everywhere else, there's kind of, depending on the player, he might not necessarily have the majority of the crowd. And that's just, I think, the way it is. And it might not be fair, but that's kind of how I see it. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, th that's right. And it's typical for Novak when a crowd is is against him to uh, sometimes shell up in terms of showing them emotion, right? And the most famous example is in 2019 when he won Wimbledon. He did not celebrate because he did not... He, he didn't... I don't think he wanted to give the crowd the satisfaction of seeing him celebrate. Um, he wanted to rub it in their faces in a certain way. Uh, I, I think, you know, it was my read on the fact that he didn't celebrate uh, because anyone, you know, any under any normal circumstances, I guarantee you, if there were, if there was a large contingency giving him support, he would have acknowledged them with a celebration directed you know towards them and for them so uh i think the body i think that could have had a huge uh effect on the body language that we did see from him and maybe he got he went quicker to negativity and you know i was recording a post-match video for um for the other semi-final while novak and and uh rafa were walking on to chatrier i had no clue that he got booed as he walked out, which is which is actually like a next level kind of thing that would never happen at Wimbledon. Like even though every every fan at Wimbledon was basically not cheering in 2019 when Novak won a point, just no cheer, and then big cheer for Federer. There's no 
booing, right? Which is kind of like a next level. It's pretty wild to me. I don't think, I think I've only heard a player booed walking out. Maybe Medvedev at the 2019 US Open. I, he definitely got booed um, when he was like a villain for flipping off the crowd. That's that's some rare stuff. So uh, yes, maybe uh, I I think that that easily uh, was was weighing on on Novak. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, it really is. everyone's commenting by in the chat about how cool you look, Gil, all in black, and apparently like John Travolta. So I think that's the biggest compliment yeah. they could. Uh, that's they very could give nice. You. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> 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 no, I, I I agree with you. It's such a just it's such a strange thing, though, isn't it? Because, and you know, I'm I'm happy to say that even though, and, and you know, I've said to you as well. Of course, I'm I'm a Rafa fan, but I'm first and foremost always a tennis fan, and. I was really surprised he was booed as well. And I was watching the match and I didn't have the sound on. And everyone, everyone whilst I was doing the commentary was saying to me, look, what's going on? Like, Novak's getting booed. And I was thinking to myself, what, really? Like, okay, you want to cheer on Rafa, that's fine. But booing Novak is like, as you said, next level, right? And yeah. I just wouldn't have expected it. And it was really, really strange. And I can see why it got to him a little bit. But also, I kind of feel like he's got through this so many times before in kind of similar situations that... I would have thought, you know what, he's going to put it to the back of his mind. He's going to use it to, I guess, charge himself, um, as you said, and then use it and deflect it against the crowd, if that makes sense. And roar when he gets a break or, you know, when he breaks back, etc. And there's very, very fleeting moments, but there wasn't a lot of it. So um, interesting. And maybe as he gets older, he's just thinking, look, where's my Jews? Like I'm, I've won 20 mm. slams. And maybe it's just got to a point where he's thinking, how many times do I have to fight against the crowd? And, I kind of get that. I mean, it's not a reason to lose a match, but it is a, a reason. It could be a contributing factor for sure. Um, just on quickly on that match, and sorry, we'll move on because we've spent a bit of time on it, but the, the Rafa Novak match, how did you think the level was compared to last year's match that they played? Uh, because there's a lot of comparisons, but what did you think? And do you think last year's was better or this year's? Was it equal or, or how did you how do you rank it? To be honest, I found the level to be uh, quite similar in the sense that they had an explosion of intensity. And in, in 2021, that explosion of intensity was in the third set. And here in 2022, that was in the second set. And after that uh, incredible set of tennis, um, which was actually won by Novak both times, uh, the biggest difference was coming out of it. They could not sustain that level of energy anymore. Uh, but it was actually uh, Rafa who who had the winning tennis in the in the next two sets. When um, I felt like Novak, even when he was ahead, you might say Gil Novak was ahead and served for the the fourth set. That is true, but he did that pretty much fully on the heels of his serve plus one. Uh, he he was at no point in time after the second set was he really winning rallies against Nadal. Just and in the second set he was able to do that. So you could, I could still feel, I still felt like Nadal was uh, on the precipice there, and I was not surprised that he broke serve in the third set at five three. It just it came as no surprise. I knew that Novak was just really leaning heavily on how amazing his first serve was. And, you know, that could go away at any moment, and it did. 
Um, so I, I, I looked at it somewhat similarly. It's just that, uh, the big difference is in tactically speaking is in, in 21, I've never seen anyone make Nadal play through his backhand as much on clay. Um, in 2022, Nadal, um, Nadal was in control again and, and playing forehands. Djokovic was not able to, um, was not able to make the, the highly difficult returns that Nadal asks him to make uh, backhand to backhand. And, and Novak was also um, not able to get it to Nadal's backhand as much uh, in large part because of what Rafa was doing in the baseline rallies, uh, which is basically refusing to hit the backhand cross court and allowing Novak to get him uh, into that uh, due side cross court rally, which Djokovic was just playing so well in 2021. Um, you know, there were there were some other things going on, but it really did kind of feel like a, a reversion to the mean. I mean, the head to head at in Paris is now eight two. Um, and, you know, 2021 at the end of the day, zooming out, um, it's not really the norm. It's more of the exception. Yeah, no, I agree. And there's definitely a lack of hes hesitancy, I think, as well about Novak's backhand in terms of taking it early. And and I guess taking on the kickback, and he didn't really want to take it on, which was interesting. Um, and I don't know why that was, but uh, maybe a little bit passive at times uh, compared to maybe what we're used to seeing from him and not really kind of attacking the forehand um, as well as he could have, I guess, in the past. But I think the fact that Nadal on the foot and you know, we had that in the final was completely numb, um, it probably helped the fact that he was being, being able to move so well, that he was able to move around the backhand uh, with ease as well, and the movement was there. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and as a tournament as a whole, though, from from Rafa's point of view, I mean, there's a very match, of course, really unfortunate with the injury in the in the semifinals. And there's a 44 shot rally, and it was just crazy, like two tiebreakers. I know I've heard your your view on it. And you said, look, you know, it, it could have that second set could go the way it was Zverev, and then you just you never know, right? And obviously, the longer that match goes on, the more chance maybe Rude has in the final. But um, I think, as everyone may have predicted, the final was going to be the most straightforward match out of, you know, the fourth round through semi-final run that Rafa had. Uh, were you a little bit maybe disappointed with the final? It wasn't the epic that we had in the Australian Open final, right, with Medvedev. Um, but do you think, you know, Rude was there and I guess in the second set he was a break-up and he thought, oh, maybe there's something going to be. And it was a two-game fleeting moment and Rafa kind of just said, no, you know, it's not going to be the day I'm going to run through you easily and bagel him in the end. I really wasn't disappointed. I I did not. I didn't have that level of expectation uh, on on Rude, and I I think anyone who did, it's a little bit unfair. You know, it's a guy who um, the the record coming in against top ten players for his career is four and fifteen. He was two and eight in his last ten matches against top ten players. So while Rude is has been very consistent in in terms of beating the uh, the sub elite tiers on clay, he has not consistently beaten people of the players of the level of of Rafa Nadal. Now you throw in it's Sunday on Chatrier when where Nadal has never lost, and in my opinion, it brings takes his game to a, a new level. Uh, they have never played before. I don't think that worked in, in Rude's favor because yeah. playing Nadal, it takes a second to to get used to that. Even though they've practiced a million times, uh, there's even a psychological aspect where 
uh, you know, Rude is well aware of Nadal's history at the event. At the event, he uh, grew up a Nadal fan. He's in his first major final. I don't think it's a good matchup tactically uh, because of Rude's backhand. I I take a player like Zverev with a world class backhand yep. much more seriously as a threat against Nadal. So for all of these things, it would have been nice if Rude was a little bit more clutch in in some of those moments, especially when Nadal played two bad service games, uh, one in the first set to get back on serve, one in the second set. You know, it would have been nice if Rude played his very best on the heels of of those moments for Nadal, but but he did not, um, and 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 that hurt him. But I can't bring myself to be that disappointed because I, I think that's unfair to Rude. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I predicted it was going to be a straight set win. And I didn't necessarily think there would be a bagel in there, but I also wasn't surprised. And it, it was going to be a stern test of, it was going to be a massively stern test of Rude's backhand. And I wasn't surprised it didn't hold up. I mean, one, he doesn't have the height of someone like Zverev and he doesn't have the confidence to drive through the backhand like someone like a Zverev. And it's very one-dimensional. So it's something that, you know, if you're going to play against Rafa and you have uh, some type of weakness on the backhand as a righty, I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty much game over. It's going to be really difficult. And the fact is, you said that they hadn't played before. Practice is all well and good, but Rafa doesn't practice like how he plays from what I've seen. Um, it's very different. And actually, a lot of times when I see him practice, the kind of lasso forehand isn't always out in full effect. In fact, he doesn't always hit that many of them. But then when you see him come out onto court, he whips it like it's uh, like he's at the rodeo. It's just hilarious. So uh, it's very, very different, the level that he plays at, I think. Do you know the secret? Uncle yeah. Tony does not like the buggy whip. Okay. Uncle Tony did not teach him the buggy whip. Oh. Uh, he, is, he is supposed to, and this is why you don't see it in practice. His proper forehand, according yeah. to his coaches, his, you know, especially Tony, is on his shoulder. So in practice, he does it how... He's supposed to, and then <laughs> he doesn't in, want to get towed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's in the match where where he where there's a little bit more pressure where he adds some topspin and goes to the buggy whip because it's it's habit and it's it's what happens. It's so funny. I, I didn't know that. Actually, that's that makes a lot of sense though. And it's funny though. Sometimes you'll see the the kind of shoulder the shoulder forehand as you're saying with the, with the in to out. He will hit it at the angle, and you think, ooh. Hold on, he hasn't really gone to the buggy like you're saying, but that looks really good. It's because that's the shot that he's practicing all the time, right? But he doesn't always use it. So, uh, and you can see Tony in the in the crowd probably tearing his hair out when he goes to whip the forehand. He's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Come on!" But it yeah. works. So you walk off and say, "Well, yeah, but I just won. I won the final. What are you going to say?" You know, I won 22 <laughs> slams, best player. You know, like in terms of stats wise in the Grand Slam race. So, what, what can you say to me? But um no, that's, that's that's so funny for for Casper Rude I mean what do you think because that's actually one of the questions and we can touch upon it now but um Casper Rude in terms of his prospects for the future um what do you think obviously he made a final in Miami and then the final now Roland Garros I mean he didn't have to Look, you make a final, you still made a final. But in terms of the actual position he faced, it wasn't the hardest. It could have been a lot harder, I think, given that, of course, yep. he missed a Medvedev, he missed a Tsitsipas, for example. Do you think this could be some type of catalyst? Uh, do you think you know we might see him progress or not just on clay, but on different services? We've seen him take steps on hard court. But you know, what do you think of his prospects, say, you know, going into Wimbledon, for example? Um, yeah, what's, what's your view on it? I um 
I, I think he's 23. I think he's got a great team and a great attitude. And for that reason, we've seen uh, a lot of improvements in his game year by year, especially in his fitness and in his serve. One thing that's come along slowly is his big match belief. Uh, for, for much of his career, I thought most of the time when he was in a big match, he underperformed. Uh, and, you know, you could say that happened again here, but this is another level. This is a slam final. And uh, in the past, it was happening earlier on. Um, so I, I think that's still a work in progress, first of all, just rude believing uh, that that he belongs and, and that he can beat the best in the world. Uh, but the backhand side probably needs to get better. You know, it's exploitable. Uh, one thing that that I think the entire locker room knows is um, the is to serve and volley to his backhand on the ad side because he stands far back. And it's one thing if if team or Medvedev or Nadal is standing far back, they have huge backhands. They can they can pass you and make the volley a nightmare. Root has a soft backhand and is standing back, so you serve volley. Uh, his backhand against a player like Nadal and Alcaraz, um, he doesn't trade it well enough to remain unattackable. We saw how much offense Nadal initiated off of Rude's cross-court backhand because it's it's not it's not strong enough. Uh, what he can do certain things with his footwork to to improve that, where uh, he he backs up too easily. I broke it down on Monday Match Analysis. He he backs up all the time on his backhand backs up. He needs to train his mind, I think, to hold his ground. Um, and if if it's going to bounce too high, move up, take it on the rise so it doesn't bounce too high. And uh, the other thing is to maybe try to make it a, a little bit flatter because it has a ton of spin on it, but it, it's uh, it doesn't have the racket speed that the forehand has where it can have a ton of spin and pace. It's just pure spin. And that doesn't really do much. So he's going to, you know, he he really needs to, uh, I think, focus on on getting that stronger. And if he does, his serve plus one is really phenomenal. So, I mean, it's really difficult to break his serve. Uh, but once you get into a rally with him, then you can get to the back end. Yeah, agreed. He doesn't penetrate through the core of the back end at all, does he? But the movement around the backhand, especially off the serve, it is really, really good. So yeah. I think it's definitely something that uh, he can improve. And if he does improve the backhand, just shores it up, um, it would de- it'll be so, so good um, for him going forward. Uh, on, on Rude, actually, someone asked uh, in the comment section here. So Vansha said here, Casper is happy being part of other people's history. Carlos's first Masters, Novak's 1,000 wins, and Rafa's Roland Garros. Do you agree with that, or do you think that's a bit harsh? I think it's a bit harsh. He's not going to be uh, an early bloomer. Uh, what, what I was kind of saying after the match is uh, this was kind of like this reminded me of Nadal and team in 2018 where uh, Nadal really made was was uh, he beat team in straights. It was drama free. Dominic was not ready at that time in 2018 to, to actually uh, play a, a great match against Nadal in the final. He just was not there. Uh, team took until he was 26 uh, years old until he could play his best. So, you know, 23-year-old team was was not ready. So, you know, everybody has different career arcs. And for Casper, you know, he needs to be looking at, at potentially being good enough 
uh, to, to play better if he's in this position in a couple of years. But look, he got a great draw. He beat everybody who he was supposed to beat. Not a single one of his victories was a surprise. But in this final, he he just, it was too much for him. And and he was not ready to uh, to win the match. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, and, then, and then just, I guess, to, to finish off on the, on the men's side, and then we can we can briefly talk, touch about Iga, because I feel like there's not too much to talk about Iga except for the complete domination mm. of her throughout the whole field. Um, do you think, I mean, how disappointed to, should someone like a Sitsipas be, for example, uh, with, the, with the tournament? Will Medvedev be disappointed? I mean, he didn't have many clay court matches going into it. So is it a massive surprise? We know it's not his favorite surface although he did make the quarters last year um and he lost the sits pass but didn't have many matches i guess to kind of acclimatize um what do you think i mean are there some players that might think you know what that bot off of the draw that was a big opportunity miss especially seeing rude in the final what's your thoughts Tsitsipas should be extremely disappointed medvedev not so much i think medvedev probably was just and look the fact that he got blown out was a little interesting but he was he probably leaves Paris going, wow, I can't believe how well Chilich played. Good for him. Uh, that's kind of what, what I think. Because I just don't feel like the stakes are high for him mentally coming into the into that tournament. You know, uh, there was no lead up. It's it's clay. For for Daniil, it's let's just see what happens. And what happened is he ran into uh, a peaking Marin Chilich. Uh, but for Tsitsipas, you know, it just didn't look right from the onset. M- Musetti was too difficult. Um, really poor play in the first two sets against Musetti. Kolar played great, but that was too difficult. And, um, you know, and then ultimately, um, he was outplayed. He was, he was outplayed by, by Holger Runa. And, uh, I think there's some stuff going on with his confidence. I think it, it goes back to his, I mean, just listening to him after the match, I got to say it it likely goes back to him not having confidence in his technology right now uh, because he's talking about his strings after the match. And if you're talking about your strings after the match, then you're thinking about it on the court. And and he can say it's not an excuse all he wants. If if you're not using that as I'll I'll use the same word, an excuse, you know, in your head, in your head, then you're not talking about it after the match. So you know, you better believe he was on the court missing forehands thinking, oh my God, these damn strings, I can't figure it out. Um, you better believe it. And and for those who don't know, he uh, had the elbow operation in the off season, the, the surgery. And to try to protect his elbow, he went to a hybrid string bed with natural gut, which is easier on the arm. And ever since he's done that, with the exception of, a fantastic match against Yannick Sinner in Australia, a title in Monte Carlo. There have been a lot of matches where Steph just hasn't looked right this year. Yeah, agreed. I mean, everyone looks at their racket, don't they? All club players, um, when they m- miss hit a forehand or hit a forehand out, you look at your racket and you just say, what's going on? My strings are wrong. They're, they're, they're too loose. They're too tight. Uh, so I'm sure Sitspass is doing exactly the same thing. Uh, there is a, a classic pro player. Um Quick question then on Rune, if we're going to the men's then, because Matthew said here, yeah. so I'd like to know Gil's thoughts on Rune. Is it too early to say whether this guy will be a contender at the big tournaments? No, I don't I don't think it's too early. Um, you know, physical issues really held him back 
for for a long time and and still might by the way because he hasn't played that many uh long matches um even in like winning munich you know he wins munich he blew everybody out so it's like okay well i guess we still don't know if your endurance is an issue because you're going to win every match uh in in two straightforward sets he uh he is a little bit like a, a less explosive carlos um, he doesn't hit quite as big Alcaraz. That is, he doesn't hit quite as big and he doesn't move quite as fast, but unlike Medvedev and Zverev and Tsitsipas and rude and team and Berrettini, you know, unlike a lot of these players, it's pretty hard to come up with a weakness with Holger Rune. He has a backhand that creates a lot of offense. Uh, impressively. So I, I love his backhand. A big fan of his forehand, great acceleration on that side, uh, generates pace very well. Uh, he is he is a good mover. His serve, he's got a little bit of a young person serve syndrome where it's not very polished, but we know how much better that shot gets in time. He's a a, a good competitor. Now he's volatile and fiery, and and maybe that will be an issue. Maybe he might need to calm down in terms of his demeanor on court. Uh, but he seems to love the sport. He seems to be obsessed with competing. And unlike a character like Casper who's taking a very long time to get the belief, I think Rune has that like, oh, I'm I'm the man. I'm amazing. I'm going to, yeah. Like, I think he takes the court against Zverev in Munich, and he's like, watch this. Like, I think that's his mentality. Um, I think he has a ton of belief in himself and a lot of uh, a lot of confidence, which at the end of the day is a good thing. It, it it might rub people the wrong way if if a young player is actually open about that and lets it show. Uh, but uh, it's actually a good thing, I think. Yeah, he definitely always seems like he has a point to prove, and he's already said like, you know, I want to be world number one. Like, you know, he's just right. very exactly. Very he, he's, he's he's totally fine saying that. Yeah, yeah. He's not like, oh, we'll see how we see how it goes. He's like. Everyone in their minds already thinks that all the top young players, they already think, look, I want to be world number one, but he's just not scared to say it. Uh, and obviously a little bit of uh, controversy with him and Kasparud um, after the shake <laughs> head. And apparently Rude shouted in his face in the locker room and he denied it. So who knows what happened, but uh, definitely a, uh, yeah, definitely something there. Let's quickly move on to Eager then. Uh, Cause I know you're hard pressed for time as well. And then we'll, we'll wrap up with some questions. Um, but was it surprising at all? Was it just like, you know what? She's just so good. 35 consecutive wins now equal with, uh, you know, Venus as well since 2000. I mean, how good was she in the tournament? And the one moment when she did like, Oh, hold on. This might be a close match against Zeng. Um, the young Chinese player obviously lost that first set and she was up and really good recovery from the Chinese player. She was up in the tiebreaker, lost it as well. Zeng obviously then fell away massively, a little bit of an injury. Um, she got through that eager okay. And then it was just, I mean, it was a complete demolition job of, of pretty much everyone in her <laughs> in her way. I mean, how how good was she, Gila? And like, can we expect her to potentially go on and like continue this consecutive win streak? Um, and who knows, get close to some of the crazy stats that people are talking about. Well, uh, the only thing that surprised me is that she never really looked all that stressed uh, with the exception of that first set against Junction Wen. And, and maybe that's because 
uh, you know, she, the scoreboard relaxes her cause she's up so big maybe, but, but what about at the start of these matches where she's playing great tennis? There's, it should be, there should be nerves there. Uh, and you know, I felt the same thing about when she became number one, I thought it was going to be a shock to the system when Ash retires, she becomes number one. And suddenly it's like, okay, Iga, you're, you're, you're the class, you're the class of the tour. You know, everyone expects you to win. And, you know, she was completely unfaced by that, which was weird. It's just not typical. You're supposed to be affected by that negatively. Uh, and in this case, going for a major uh, and, you know, only her second, I I thought we were probably going to see some some nerves. Uh, didn't happen. Um, Ash in Australia was similarly, you know, it was the same thing. You know, we know we we know that Iga and Ash are better players than everybody else. But what's so impressive about the two majors we've seen so far is that they were completely unaffected game-wise by the the incredible weight of expectation. Mm, no, I agreed. Yeah, normally uh, when people expect you to win after someone's just retired and you go to kind of default number one, you'd expect you said negative, but no. She was like the black holes there to be engulfed and it's just like a massive chasm. Uh, and she was like, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe people are thinking, well, Eagle, I guess, takes some of that. Then we'll have other players and it'll just be a multi multiple players, I guess, you know, fighting it out. And then it'll kind of, you'll share all the titles, share the Grand Slam. She's like, no, 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 no. I I'm going to take what Barty had and I'm going to basically make that mine. And you guys are going to have to come and get me now and I'm going to replace her. So which is really, really great to see. Uh, and a couple, a couple of quick words on Coco Goff as well. I mean, how impressive was that from her? Yeah, amazing to see. Uh, very, very happy for, for Coco to have a breakthrough like that. I think she'll start feeling better about herself because she probably was a little bit down on her 2022. The results weren't great. Uh, what, what hurts Coco is how few tournaments there are uh, on the women's tour now where the, the court speed is, is slow, uh, slow like she likes it. You know, there's no Monte Carlo. Um, there's no Barcelona for her. It's just like, oh, go to, here's your clay, clay courts. Go to Charleston and Stuttgart. Uh, go, you know, here, here you go, clay court specialist. I mean, you know, and then you have like Pliskova and Benchich. Well, Pliskova didn't win Stuttgart. Um, you know, Iga did, but, but you have uh, Sabalenka in the final and Benchich winning in Charleston. It's like, those don't play like clay. So, uh, that's unfortunate for for uh, Coco that she only really gets Rome and Roland Garros as far as slay slow clay goes. Um, she is uh, she's phenomenal at the things she's phenomenal at. You know, mentally, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, I never worry about her because I think she's got a fantastic head on her shoulders, just like Iga. You can say the same about both of them, like their maturity level and their work ethic. Uh, their, their mentality on the court, all of that stuff is perfect. And Coco just needs to sort out the forehand, technically speaking. And, and when, if she does that, she's going to reach incredible heights. If she doesn't do that, uh, you're going to see her, you know, have some continued limitations, but, but sh her floor is already incredibly high. She's already going to have a long, uh, illustrious career in the top 10. Yeah, no, very well said. Couldn't say it better myself. Uh, guys, we'll just then wrap up with a few of the questions. I've got some here uh, and we'll answer some in the chat as well. Um, what I'll do is I'll try and keep 
We'll just do a few, Gil, um, ones that are more directed towards you, uh, and then okay. you can uh, you can shoot off, and I can I can pick up the rest of the questions that I could probably answer. Okay. Um, so Sam says here, um, hi, I'd like to know your favorite highlights of the tournament, including your favorite Rafa moments. Uh, when did you start to believe Rafa could win Roland Garros? I think you mentioned that already um, about the foot. And who was the second best player in your opinion? The second best player in the tournament? Yeah. Okay. Second best player in the tournament and your favorite Rafa moment. Um, okay. Favorite Rafa moment was easily the first set tie break against Zverev, uh, where, where he hit an unbelievable pass down set point, uh, where, where Zverev hit a fantastic angled forehand that, that you thought was probably going to win him the point. Uh, Rafa surrendered a short ball, as anybody would. And then Zverev stepped in and and really crushed a backhand. I mean, he he put a lot on it, but Nadal knew it was going cross court, and he he read it. And then, like only Rafa does, I mean, I think the the forehand passing shot is the greatest of all time, and and he hits it cross court uh, perfectly. Um, and then on set point, a little bit later on, he again anticipates a Zverev approach shot, which was on the forehand. This was set point up. And Nadal hits a, a passing shot down the line uh, on his forehand once again. Those passing shots were were just uh, beautiful shots, and his reaction after the set point was was really uh, something I I don't know that I've ever seen from him. But instead of doing like the regular exaltation and the the yell and the fist pump, he just stared at his has his box, um, which we see a lot from like Carlos Alcaraz and and Novak. But usually that's not how Rafa rolls. I personally loved it. Uh, it. It was like a different reaction than we're used to seeing from him. And uh, I really, uh, I thought that was a, a huge moment, first of all, of importance, uh, but also just uh, a really electrifying uh, sequence of, of shot making. You know, I, I could I could say Novak, but, you know, Novak didn't have any great wins in this tournament. So I'll say Zverev was the second best player here, uh, beating Carlos Alcaraz. And, and pushing Nadal until the injury. Zverev, um, like, uh, all I can really say about, about Sasha with this tournament is, is he actually hit some of the best two-handers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and we, we know how good that shot is. It's always really good. I, I thought it was another level here. Uh, I mean, I've never seen him hit so big. Uh, I saw him hitting winners cross-court from behind the baseline against Alcaraz on his backhand. And look, genuinely, I just don't think anyone in the world can do that. Nobody has the power on the backhand. Uh, maybe some of the one-handers, maybe some of the one-handers. There's no two-hander who has the power off their backhand to hit a cross-court winner from the baseline against a player that fast. Um, so it, the backhand kind of blew me away, and it was amazing against Nadal as well. So uh, I'll say Zverev. Yeah, agree on a slow clay court as well, which makes it even yeah. more impressive. Unbelievable. Um, cool. And then Lexi says here uh, a couple of questions, but they're probably short ones. Uh, the first one is, do you foresee, I guess, Rafa trying to secure his 15th title next year? So basically, would he play Roland Garros next year, do you think? Um, or do you think, you know, what are the chances of him trying to win it? Um, and then one on Ego, which is, you know, who among the WTA do you think has the best chance of breaking her streak? Uh, and why, I guess, probably uh, asking about why do you think their style would uh, potentially trouble her? 
Um, okay, so the first one was... Just Do you see Rafa playing uh, Ronan Garros oh, next year? And then who, uh, who yeah. can trouble Eager? Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, as, as long as he can figure out a way to be pain-free, he'll be there. And uh, I, I think it'll happen, but it, it's hard to predict those kinds of things. For Iga, you know, there's there's really no easy answer here. There, there just isn't. Um, but in terms of Wimbledon, you know, I look for players who who might be able to outserve Sviantek um, and and hit their return very very big. Uh, Contivate is a is a great grass court player, and we've seen her struggle recently. She's not going to do well on on a Miami or an Indian Wells or on clay, really. It's just too slow for her. So I, I think Contivate is someone to watch. Um, I think um, I mean, man. It it, it get oh Benchich. Let me say Benchich. Uh you know, there there are some technical flaws there, but uh she's an excellent grass court player who has actually had great results outside of Wimbledon. So for some reason, she hasn't done well at Wimbledon. And I, I feel like this would be a, a great year for that to end for, for Belinda. We know that when she gets hot, when she starts rolling, she can be uh, really, uh, really great. You know, we saw it at the Olympics, obviously, uh, last year in Tokyo. We saw it this year in Charleston, where she beat two top 10 players. Great title run uh, there. And uh, I, I think her game, the way she redirects the ball off both sides is uh, really, really good on the grass. Uh, so, so she's a player who stands out. Uh, her and her and Contivate, I guess, are the two players I'll, I'll throw out. But man, it's that's a harder question to answer than it should be. <laughs> Slim pickings <laughs> is what I like to say. Alex says here, Barty out of retirement can trouble you get, <laughs> which is probably true. She's probably too busy playing golf, I think. Uh, Look, I, I think Barty will come out of retirement, but it's not, it's not yeah. going to be soon. I agree. I agree. I think we, we had this discussion. Yeah, we, I think both of the uh, same opinion. Well, hopefully, hopefully we're right. Hopefully you're right. Um, Gil, I'll, I'll leave it there because I know you you have places to be. Uh, busy man as always. Uh, guys, what I'll do is I'll stay on. And if you have any more questions, then hopefully I can at least assist and give you guys my opinion on it. Uh, but Gil, thanks so much as always for being on. Really appreciate it. Uh, great to have you on and review Ronan Garros as always and hopefully we'll catch up soon but good luck with all the tennis channel stuff as well do you want to shout out your um, your socials I mean your channel's already tagged anyway in the title so people can access it there as well okay awesome uh, yeah at Gil underscore gross on Twitter if you're on that platform uh, give me a follow there uh, anyway thanks as always uh, for having me on I, I had a lot of fun and thanks everybody for watching perfect thanks a lot Gil thanks a lot um, see guys see you, see you later see you later Thanks, Gil, for being on as always. And guys, I can I can wrap up and, and look, go through some of the, the questions as well. So if you have any questions for me that you want me to answer, I'll go through it. I think a couple of them that we've gone through as well, I haven't actually given my answers. So Sam asking about Rafa, saying, I'd like to know your favorite highlights of the tournament, your favorite Rafa moments, I guess. Um, so favorite Rafa moment for me is actually not the same as Gil's. It's actually the winning moment against Casper where he drags Rude out, backhand, cross-court, I think the backhand is so underrated of Rafa's. Goes cross-court, drags Rude out, comes forward, steps in, hits the backhand on the line for a winner. And it was just almost the perfect way to win because, I don't know if you guys remember, but in the Australian Open, he won a couple of massive, massive points in the Australian Open against Medvedev with backhand 
passing shots down the line. And it almost just made me re- reminisce a little bit about that. And I was like, yeah, come on. This is what I like. And I was just thinking that is such a crucial shot for him this year. And it really has been uh, for sure. Uh, thank you as well. SLC says, great job covering the French to both you guys. And uh, Gene says, you missed all my questions. Gene, we'll get to your questions now. I'll get to them. Sorry, apologies. Uh, there's quite a lot of people actually. So I appreciate you guys being on as well. Um, and then said, who was your second best player in your opinion? Says Sam, and I have to agree with Gil about Zverev. I think Zverev, the fact they beat Alcaraz is a massive, massive, massive positive for him because a lot of people had him as the underdog. The way he played against Rafa as well. I mean, yes, it wasn't the best, but the man, the way that he managed to at least keep up with him, two tiebreakers, who knows what would have happened. You'd imagine Rafa gets through it, but you know, for Zverev, obviously, uh, some steps in the right direction, you would think. Uh, but we'll see. Sometimes it, with him, it's sometimes one step forward, two steps back. So hopefully that's not the case. And Sam also said, and finally, have you learned your lesson to never doubt Rafa, no matter the circumstances? I mean, Australian Open was the biggest lesson for me. I picked the wrong guy, even though deep down I hoped and prayed I was wrong. Looks like the Lord has answered my prayers. Hallelujah. I'll always have some doubts, but I always try and be honest with myself. I always try to be realistic uh, and not get too caught up in me supporting Rafa. But yeah, I, I mean, it's look, it's very, very hard to pick against him. I think, especially at Roland Garros, and I did say, look, it's only because of the of the foot, really. Uh, Lexi as well. Uh, I guess talking about Casper and Coco and what are um, their future is going to look like. And I think, as Gil rightfully said about golf, about her liking the slower courts and the clay courts, I guess, as well. That's obviously a positive. It'll be interesting to see how she does on the grass because that's where she made her breakthrough. She obviously made the fourth round only at the age of 15, uh, but she does like more time on the ball and the grass is very quick. But the one thing that she does have at her disposal is a big, big serve. So if she can just sort out any double fault issues she has and the backhand is firing because that is not that's not necessarily a side where she needs to have a huge amount of time on it. It's pretty natural. It's more the forehand where she has to take big slices at the ball. Uh, so we'll see how she gets on and whether she's able also to, to kind of transition well and come to the net. I mean, yeah, she plays a lot of doubles, but playing a lot playing a lot of doubles doesn't always necessarily mean as well that you're going to be good at the net in singles play. Um, and I think a lot of people who do play tennis themselves will know that. Uh, so that would be interesting to see how she gets on. For Kasparud, I think, you know, he'll probably enjoy playing at somewhere like the US Open where it's a slower hard court. Don't see him doing much at Wimbledon. But I did say on the stream as well when I did the commentary that I can see him being one of the contenders, say, for example, the Paris 2024 uh, Olympics, which will, if I'm not mistaken, be at Roland Garros. And I think he will be up there and, and go deep at Roland Garros is going forward for the most part. He'll be one of the guys that people expect to go deep like a Tsitsipas. Um, Gene, Gene, Gene. McGrutha can't even win matches nowadays. It's so true. Gene uh, says, Rai Bikina is a good shout on graphs. That's a quite a good one, actually. What do you think of Contabit splitting with Tersanov? It's interesting, isn't it? Because who she employed uh, to replace Tersanov? I'm not sure. Uh, if you do know, let me know. But I think since the WTA finals last year, Contavi has gone into her shell a little bit where she's been a little bit passive. She's been a little bit passive, I guess, with her play um, and her tennis. And it's not been great. She's almost tried to become more of a counterpuncher. And that's not really the way that she had a success coming up and making the top 10. So I'm hoping she gets back to a little bit about what she's about, a bit more confident in her play. 
Uh, she hasn't had great tournaments as of yet. And Jean also says, do you think the slow improvement of Coco is freeing up some pressure on herself with the likes of Raducanu and Leila? That's very interesting, actually. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think actually Raducanu and Leila Fernandez, I think breaking through at the US Open definitely helped her. Definitely helped her because it took the spotlight off her, which is great. Uh, and then obviously, you know, now I think maybe we're seeing the fruits of of that come through at Roland Garros where she hasn't really had a spotlight on her. Not many people are expecting her to win, although some Americans I know picked her to win Wimbledon last year. That was last year. That was obviously before the US Open. After the US Open, there hasn't been many people talking about Coco Golf. They think, yeah, she's dangerous, but more people are kind of, a, I guess, a lot more people are looking towards Fernandez and Raducanu. Now that she's made the final here, though, the spotlight will be back on her somewhat. So it'll be interesting to see how she handles that. But she seems like she's in a good space mentally. Um, so I'm hoping that she just continues to improve. Vanish is not running us related, but Gil, what do you make of Raducanu's retirement? Just had one again on grass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't get to this one, Vanch, but um, it's a really interesting one. I don't know exactly. I know she had a side strain. Now, I think some of them would have been injuries that she probably shouldn't have continued playing with. So I get it. Maybe all of them are. But what I would say is that it's not a great sign uh, if you're retiring a lot. And I think it's also not a great sign in the fact that, look, fine, say the injuries are legitimate, unless some by some type of freak accident she keeps on getting injured whilst playing, she's gone into a lot of those matches with niggles. Now, I think that's also not great on her team because if she's already had to retire a couple of times uh, and it's happening, if she has any type of niggle, you just pull her out or just say you're not going to play in the first place let her rest, let her get fully fit. I feel like she's had that, like, for example, that back problem she pulled out with, um, where was it? I think it was at Rome against Andrescu. I mean, that back problem she had since Stuttgart, I think it was. And I remember she was getting treatment on it and then she just kept on playing every single Masters. I was like, what? I was like, what's going on? I just give, like, give your body a break. So, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, Lexi's saying, yeah, Barty too busy playing golf oh dear Alex says make Iga wear a Sharapova mask and have her play Serena Williams it's interesting right but the Sharapova masks yeah that's so funny Sharapova mask god god hilarious let's see Matthew says Fazan oh here we go Matthew says Fazan who's your dark horse for Wimbledon perhaps someone unexpected making the semi-finals Chilich or Murray <sighs> Oh, this is an interesting one. It's not really running out related, but let's answer it. Hmm. Murray's not my dark horse. I think he's going to... The issue with Murray is, right, if he... Actually, I'll tell you what. The only way Murray gets deep at this Grand Slam, which is Wimbledon <laughs> on grass, is if he has really, really straightforward matches. And the issue with him is that knowing him, he's probably not going to get a great draw because that's what he's been getting recently. The draws haven't been great for him. Now, if he does get a good draw, and he manages to get through the first two or three rounds in straight sets, uh, and without much wear and tear, then I can see him then going quite deep, because he's got some energy left in the tank. If he has these like kind of five-set epics, which he normally tends to have, even when he was in his prime, we wouldn't used to have it, but he had the physical, I guess, capacity to actually continue playing at that level, and he wouldn't get worn down at this age and like with the replacement hip, et cetera, or, you know, 
hip resurfacing even. It's really, really tough to see him get through a five-setter in it or multiple four sets or five set matches and then go through to semi-finals like he'll be a dead man walking so hopefully he does get through the first few rounds because obviously i i think everyone knows i've got a little bit of a soft spot for him he's not my favorite player or anything but i'd like to see him do well uh, and then who knows but semi-finals might be a stretch uh, i think he might make the round of 16 or the quarterfinals potentially but again the draw will play a big part i guess with and obviously very unfortunately the russians and belarusians aren't going to be there but that does also mean that some of the rest of the field will have an advantage to go deeper. I think Chilich is a really good shout. Um, and I actually think someone like a Felix, although I don't think that's really a dark cause. I think he, in a lot of people's eyes, they actually think he's a second favourite behind Novak if Rafa doesn't play. So I don't know if he really counts. And obviously he made the quarterfinals last year. I actually watched him live at Wimbledon. I watched him against Berrettini, which was a great match. Um, so maybe Chilich, maybe Chilich for me, actually. Dram Tennis says, if Zverev is second best at the French Open, is Felix third? Yeah, I think he is, to be honest with you, because he, he did really, really well. Um, like He did really well, Felix. I mean, to take Rafa to five sets at Roland Garros, considering he'd never won a match at that tournament at Roland Garros before this year, it is a great achievement. Um, keep the questions coming, by the way. I'll answer all of them. I will answer every single one. Uh, that comes from now. So just keep on, keep them coming. Like genuinely, I'm happy to do it. Lexi says, Fazan, who's your bet to win from the women's circuit in Wimbledon? Oh, it's so tough to back against Eager. And I know it's grass. It's a very different surface to clay, but she's also a junior champion. She's also a junior champion at Wimbledon. Now that doesn't always mean a lot, but I think with her, it does considering her current form. So the big question is going to be if someone like a Sabalenka, who's got a big game, big serve, can she have success there? Can I Pliskova do what she did last year where she has goes into it and kind of finds some form? The big servers, the guys who are able to kind of come to the net as on well transition well, um, like a Benchic, even a Contevi. I mean, even a Bedosa, to be perfectly honest with you, could have success there. But the biggest, biggest, biggest thing about Wimbledon is the movement and if people are not able to move and slide correctly on the grass or well I don't know if you really want to slide some people do slide like Novak then you're not really going to have much of a chance it doesn't really matter how big a serve you have how big a forehand you have how good you are at volleying none of that matters at all biggest thing is the movement and if you can move well on it and you're comfortable moving on the surface then it just is such a big plus uh, and then you gain confidence from that and you're able to then work off it. Uh, so let's see. I mean, some of these players have experience already, like Sabalenka, Pliskova going deep. Uh, so maybe they can stop someone like a Sviantek. However, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, can someone like a Fernandez or Raducanu or Coco Goff go deeper? Maybe they've got the talent. But again, I think they, the draw plays a big, big part, I think, Lexi. That's the only issue. So... It's hard to back against Eager, but ask me again when the draw comes out and maybe I'll change my mind. I go a bit left field sometimes when the draw comes out. I get a bit wild and I get a little bit uh, crazy with my draw predictions. Like I, I predicted Jabul was going to beat Shvyantek in the final of Roland Garros. So like, pff, what, what do you want me to say? All right, let's have a look. Um, Vanch says, Fazan, do you still think Novak is favourite Wimbledon this year? Uh or is he not winning a slam like Rafa last year? Hmm. Good question, Vanch. It's a bit different to Rafa last year because obviously he only played two slams. 
But I guess you're you're not trying to say it like that. You're just saying that, you know, obviously Rafa didn't win any slams last year. Went slamless. I think I think if he doesn't win Wimbledon, his chances at the US will diminish quite substantially because for me, the US Open is a tournament that he has had the least success at, if I'm not mistaken, apart from obviously Ronan Garros, but in terms of out of US Open, Australian Open, Wimbledon. So what I would say is that for him, him being favourite at Wimbledon is a massive, massive, massive opportunity for him to get through, especially if Rafa doesn't play. If Rafa does play, he's still a favourite. He's still a massive favourite, no doubt. Um, like, let's be honest, Novak is the best cross quarter out there. And I'm happy to admit that. Like, I know the head-to-head between him and Rafa is too all, but... Like, let's be honest and say it how it is. I think Novak is a better grass court player. Can he be beaten by Rafa on grass? Yes, of course. Uh, if Rafa plays a really, really good match, and, and if Novak maybe doesn't play his top level, um, if they both play their top level, Rafa could potentially nick it if he plays the better or the biggest points better, which he kind of did at Ronan Garros, even though obviously it's Rafa's favourite surface, but the juice games, he came out on top in all of them. If he comes out on top in a lot of the crunch juice games, then who knows? But we'll see. Hopefully we get that. We might not even get it until <laughs> the year if Rafa's treatment doesn't go the way he wanted. And obviously we need both of them to do really well, right, to then get through and play. So I think they would end up meeting at the final because Rafa could potentially be, I think he'll be, he'll be in the top four, right? So he'll be three or four. So he, Or he might meet Djokovic in the semis potentially. Jem says if some players want to win 250s and 500s they should hire Contavit's coach hmm, fair enough Lexi said a lot of people were dismissing Coco a couple of months ago that's true that's true hey? Sam says Justin Asaka dropped out of Wimbledon what the hell really oh no let's have a quick look well there's a question from Twitch from Dark Sage we'll get to that guys if you are watching on Twitch uh, do follow us if you're watching on YouTube remember to hit that like button please and do subscribe if you're new as well Really do appreciate it. Um, does help us out a great deal. And of course, you can become a member like Lexi. And uh, if there's any other members in the chat, I'm not sure. I'm having a look. Let's have a look. So, Naomi Osaka on entry list. No, she's on the entry list, apparently. Well, that's four days ago. Mm. Takes more strength to speak up than stay quiet. What does that mean? No, I can't see anything about Osaka. Sam, you're spreading rumors. Dark Sage says, question for quality. I know people say Nadal is unstoppable in the finals at Roland Garros. Now 14 and 0. I have a two-part question. Okay, here we go. Who was the one opponent he faced in the past who you felt had the best chance of winning? And who, if he comes back next year, do you feel is the one that could beat him if they get to the finals versus Nadal? Very good question, Dark Sage. Thank you. That's actually a really, really good question. Oh, hmm. Who was the one opponent he faced in the past who you felt had the best chance of winning? If you mean before the match, that's a tough one, you know? You know, Novak in 2020, I had a feeling like it might be closer just because it was 
like colder conditions and everyone's saying like, oh, you know, and look, I, I should have known better, but everyone was saying that, you know, look, look colder conditions and, and Novak's playing the drop shot really well and he's going to drop shot his way to victory and the balls are not bouncing as much and Rafa doesn't like the cold and blah, 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 because it's played in September, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, so before that, I was a little bit, I was quite apprehensive, probably more than I had been for a Roland Garros final with Rafa in it for a long time. I have to be honest with you, like I, I was like, hmm, hmm, this might go other way. Every other final, to be fair, I haven't really thought they were going to beat him. I mean, Federer, I, I look, I mean, Federer and any other surface, pff, you know, you're just thinking, wow, this is going to be really, really tough for Rafa. But at Roland Garros, yeah, he might take a set, but he's not taking much more than that. Uh, and that's kind of just the way it is because Rafa is just so good at being able to target the the Federer backhand on clay and with the one-hander, like everyone knows about it. And yes, he has cut out and I guess managed to address that problem quite a lot on other surfaces. But on the clay, there's still, still that element of, I guess, weakness at times. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting one. And in terms of the second question, who do you feel is the one that could beat him if they got to the finals versus Nadal next year? Alcaraz. And I'm not saying it just because there's a lot of hype around him, but I genuinely think Alcaraz could. Like, he's got the game for it. I don't think... I don't think Novak in a final of Roland Garros beats Rafa. I think if Novak wants to beat Rafa at Roland Garros again, it, it would be at, like, a quarterfinal, semifinal. Um, he didn't do it this year, obviously, but Rafa, fully fit his favourite against anyone. But if you were to ask me who has the best chance, like if you would say, look, you have to pick one player who you think could potentially beat Rafa Nadal in a final of Running Garros, probably Alcaraz. Could it be Sitsipas? Now, Sitsipas doesn't mind taking the backhand high, but on a clay court against Nadal, it's different. Now, he had success against him and has had success against him in Masters tournaments or like 500s or 250s on clay. But in saying that, in saying that, it's a very, very different story, right? When it's a best of five. Roland Garros, Philip Chatrier. So I'm going to go with Alcaraz because I think Alcaraz won't be overawed by the occasion, I'd imagine. Um, I think Sitsipas might be a little bit. Um, although he's been there and done it, I guess he has two sets to love up against Novak and he kind of threw it away. So I'll say Alcaraz or Sitsipas, to be fair, just because of the matchup of styles more than anything. Uh, but we'll see. Lexi says, Osaka is... <laughs> Uh, is I have a feeling is not feeling the game at the moment. Fair enough. And it says, uh, according to the bookies, Ferrer has the same chance of winning Wimbledon as Kyrgios. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, John Six says, for Rafa's first 19 slams, he did it with four of them coming via winners on match point. 21%. Wow. For the last three, he has done it with three winners. 100%. That's quite a good stat. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. It's a good one. And also, there's, of course, some really, I guess, fun stats where Rafa's one Roland Garros seeded between seeds, what, one to five, isn't it? So one, two, three, four, five, he's been seeded. Uh, and every time he's won it, so pff, doesn't really matter, right? Where you seed him, you can seed him number 50. Okay, maybe that might be a bit tough, but even then, he'd still do it. <laughs> he'd still do it, right? He'd still do it. He'd still do it. Uh, let's have a look at some of the other questions. John says, is Kenham playing Wimbledon? I'm not 100% sure if she's fit enough, to be fair. Uh, it's been quite sad to not see her come back, uh, but we'll see. See, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Alex says, Sam, why is Federer out? Because he hasn't recovered yet from injury. Now, a lot of people thought that he would potentially 
a lot of people thought that he would potentially play Wimbledon because uh, they did say at first, like, oh, you know what, he's going to, uh, he's definitely going to play, even though he said, look, I'm probably not, I'm very, very, very unlikely to play Wimbledon. Uh, he said he'd be back probably just before the Labour Cup and then he'll play Labour Cup, which hopefully I'm going to go and see him play doubles with Rafa, but we'll see. George says, Murray and Kiros both to reach the semis. Novak and Felix the other two. Hmm. Depends, I guess, George on the draw, right? But I guess if the draw goes that way, then it, it could happen. That'd be exciting. I'd love to see Kyrgios. Can you imagine Kyrgios in the final of Wimbledon? <sighs> Mate. Kyrgios to win Wimbledon. <laughs> I'm just joking. But, you know, I think just joking. If he had the engine and... I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'll... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, George says Federer's back late August, early September. Exactly. Trimpton says Kennan is on the Wimbledon list as well as Osaka and Bouchard. The bookies have not removed Federer from the Wimbledon list. Lexi says Felix pushed Rafa to his limits. He did. He did. He did for sure. George says, would Novak ever beaten Rafa at Roland Garros if he was Federer's age and had to face prime Rafa on clay before he aged like Federer? But what's prime Rafa, though? It's difficult, right? Because prime Rafa, you then assume, is like Rafa a few years ago. But then Rafa now has improved a lot in terms of his actual tennis IQ and like tennis ability in terms of like improving his volleying, improving like that short slice, improving his backhand. Like, of course, yeah, his physical capabilities were better a few years ago, but I would imagine his level is the same, if not slightly higher, but his physical capabilities are maybe declined, but we're still at like a similar level, if that makes sense. Um, so if we're talking about a Rafa who's more physically in tune, maybe doesn't have the skills to pay the bills as much against a Novak who... I'm not saying Novak is... <sighs> Yeah, the Novak of today, I guess you'd say, right? Against that Rafa. No, I, I think Rafa... On, I think any version of Rafa on clay probably beats everyone. I just... I think it's... Who gives him trouble? It's just so... As in, when I say on clay, I mean on at Roland Garros, of course, because on clay, Novak has beaten like Rafa quite a few times, or Ryan Garros is a different story, but um, yeah, and I think the two times about, look, I don't want to make excuses, but I think when Novak obviously played him last year, he did have the slight foot issue, now that that does play a part, of course, and that's not to take away from anything, it was a great win, and, and also Rafa did manage to play a very good level, to be fair, so we have to take that into consideration, but you also have to take into consideration he didn't play any more matches the rest of the year, so that does say a lot, so what I would say is that Novak probably had the same amount of chances of beating a prime prime Rafa, if we're talking about prime Rafa a few years ago, than he did now, if not less. Sam says, Bedosa's a letdown lately, so I wouldn't bet on her. That's true. I'll take Iga versus the field on a French Open, or Wimby, I'll take the field. Yeah, that's a good point. Jean says, Contevit is good on grass, just a matter if she transfers it into the slams. I agree. Alex says Raducanu is the third favourite to take Wimbledon. Wow, really? Isla says Sabalenka is not playing Wimbledon because she's banned. Oh, yeah. See, this is why it's really sad. Like, is that fair? Is it fair? Is that really, really fair? 
let's not get into it because it's going to anger me. That's going to be a video for probably for members actually, um, because I did get a request from oh my god, chair of my arms falling off. Um, not my actual arm, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Sabalenka, Belarus. Like, how sad is that? But probably a video that I will do for members because I was re requested to do one on my thoughts on that. So I'll probably do it then and rant. Vanish says, Novak can't even enter the US at the moment. So Wimbledon is the last chance of the year. At the moment, might change though. <laughs> Gene says, please, dear Lord, let Novak win Wimbledon. <laughs> Gene is sweating. Jump Tennis says, Alex on betting, yes, might go down that, sh that she retired again. Sam says, Rafa playing Wimbledon doesn't make a difference. Dr Djokovic is the favorite. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I mean, no matter what happens, realistically, let's be honest, Djokovic is a favorite. Right? Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's not be silly. Let's not be silly. Let's not be silly. Please. 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 Guys, as well, there's like 85 of you in the chat, but only 34 likes. Now, this isn't a live stream. It doesn't mean you can't like the video, okay? Come on. Come on. Get with it. Please like the video if you haven't done this already and do subscribe for you. Thank you. Uh, that's the one time I'll say it, probably, and right at the end. <laughs> SLC says, I keep thinking of 2018 semis, though, without a closed roof on day two. It could have been a different story, and they haven't met on grass since. Yeah. That's so that's so interesting, isn't it? Let's not get into it. Now he says, currently, Novak won't get into the US, even if he is ranking going in, could be fifth. Wow. Sam says, Djokovic has to take Wilder, and I can't stress that enough, not because of the slam race, but for his mentality gene. John says, if Rafa plays, he'll be number two seed. Zverev injured. Medi out. Nadal up to world number four. <sighs> that's a good question. That's a that's very good. That's a very, very good point, John. Mm. Yeah, he would be. They'd be in the final, wouldn't they? Who wins a final? They've never played each other in the final of Wimbledon, have they? Wait, no, they have. They have. They have. Have they? Am I being stupid? Hold on. There's a lot of semis. They have they played a final. Yeah, 2018. Well no, that's semi-final. No, they haven't. They haven't, you know. Ooh. Ooh, very interesting. Okay, all right. George says, uh, I'm trying to get sent to courts on middle Sunday this year by queuing. Do you know how early I'll need to arrive to camp on Saturday? Very early, probably, I'd imagine. Uh, probably as early as you can, I would suggest. Uh, so last year, I went to court one, and I saw the quarterfinals on day two, but they had the ballot. And um, yeah, the ballot tickets were so much cheaper. Like I looked this year, oh my God, at the ticket prices because they didn't do the ballot this year so I was looking at ticket prices and I was like okay let's just see how much is it it's like over a thousand pounds per day like for day one I'm like what for like quarter three I'm not paying that are you guys crazy I was like what what is this <laughs> what is this uh Dark Sage says out of his finals I would say TM or Puerta so I was thinking TM Dark Sage but I'm not sure Puerta I get because it was his first ever final, right? So it makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Team in the second final. Yeah. Yeah, John says, I thought Novak would win in 2020. Agreed. I didn't think he'd win, but I thought... Mm. 
George says Soderling 2010. Well, that's true. Hmm. Frank says Dark Sage Novak has been Rafa's greatest threat at running guards. Historically, that's true. Yeah, Gene says no at 2020 as well. George says Robin, Robin Serling, 2010, without a doubt. He beat Rafa at Roland Garros the year before. The problem is, though, is that when he beat Rafa once and with a game like that, it's very tough to beat him again. Very, very tough. Vanish says the cold conditions are terrible for Novak because he can't hit through easily. Mm. Lexi says Soderling and then lost to Roger, right? Yeah, so that's 2009. Soderling, of course, knocked out Rafa early on uh, and then Roger beat him in the final. Uh, which was, yeah, pretty disappointing final if you're just a neutral, that is. Matthew says Federer in the first Roland Garros final and Novak in 2020. Yeah, some good picks. And SLC says Djokovic in 2012 and won the previous three slam finals against Rafa, I believe. Okay. John says disagree. Gasquet has always posed bigger questions. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> Vanch is not happy with uh, with that. Let's see. Lexi says Novak will never. Oh no. Okay. Our vaccines. Let's talk about that. John says, "Will Alcaraz win a major before the end of 2023?" I say yes. Yeah, I think so. I think I think next year will be the year that he wins on. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the U.S. Open this year, but I think next year. I don't see why not. Wimbledon is probably a tough one, although let's see how he gets on this year. He's playing at Queen's as well, where hopefully I'll see him because I'm watching the semi-finals this year. Uh, semi-final day even on Saturday. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Um, yeah, let's see how he gets on. Roland Garros, he could potentially win, I guess, but I think if Rafa's going to play it, he's still the favourite. But Australia or the US Open, I can see him winning, whether it's the US Open this year or US Open next year. Maybe he'll win the US Open next year because on the men's side, I'm pretty sure every single year we've had a different winner. So no one's won it two years in a row since like 20... Since Roger won it five times in a row, I think it was, which was, what was up until 2010, I want to say? Let me know. George says, Alcaraz will surpass the big three on... Whoa, what? George, no, George. George, George, George. This is an outrageous comment. Akraz will surpass the big three on Grand Slam count. He will have weaker competition. No. No, no, no. George, George, no, come on. Come on. He hasn't even won one yet. You're getting very, very ahead of yourself. And Like, come on. Let's, let's not even talk about that right now. That is crazy talk. What if he gets injured? What if he gets injured? What are you going to say then? This is This is just like... Come on, guys. Let's... Does he have the potential to kind of win a lot of slams? Yes. Like, should we be talking about this, though? I mean, look, you're entitled to, just, to think what you think. I think it's crazy, crazy talk. Crazy talk right now. Uh, Ranch says, Novak almost took him to five sets this year, despite all the dips in level in that match. But yes, Alcaraz may have the chance next year. Yep. George says, Alcaraz to win the US Open this year. Yeah, definitely could happen. Alcaraz could, could win it as well, says uh, Gene. Agrees are the Alcaraz winning the US Open potentially this year. Come on, guys. Hit the like button, says Lexi. Yes, please hit that like button, please, if you haven't done so already. Lexi says, nice stats, John Silk. Yeah, John Silk busting out the stats. 
<sighs> George says Novak, or sorry, Kyrgios is second favorite for Wimbledon after Novak for me, then FA, then Berrettini, then Sarandi. Kyrgios, really? But can you go that deep? Can you keep up that level for two weeks is the question. I saw him at Wimbledon last year against Umber. It was unbelievable. Guys, we're going to wrap up in about five minutes. I'm going to try and get through as many questions as possible. Um, on, yeah, hopefully five minutes if I can get through it. Come on, let's get through them. Remember to hit that like button, please, as well, if you haven't done so already, and do subscribe if you're new. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, Max says, like, yes, I think Alcaraz wins a major before 2024. Kira's second favorite for a slam. No way. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Right. Any more questions? Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Oh, here you go. Uh, Diogo says, will anyone surpass Rafa's 22 Grand Slam singles titles? Yes, Rafa. Not joking. Um, look, maybe one day, I would imagine. And look, I know George thinks that Alcaraz will do it. But uh, I guess, look, it's, it's funny, right? Because back in the day, in the 90s, 2000s, when Pete Sampras won his 14th Slam, everyone was saying like, there's no way anyone's going to surpass him, right? Like, no one's going to surpass him. Like, you got you got zero chance of surpassing him, correct? That's what people were saying. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, of course not. Of course not. People were saying, look, no one is going to surpass Pete Sampras. And then what happened? Roger Federer just, like, blew him out the water. And I was like, what? What's going on now? We've got to a stage where there were three people on 20 and now Rafa's on 22. Now, the issue is the, the higher the number is, the more difficult it's going to become to attain it. In saying that, and I guess an example is Serena Williams trying to overtake Margaret Courtright. She's been stuck on 23 for a long time. And 23 slams is a lot of slams. Uh, so to get past 24, like people might think, oh, come on, just get through it. And she's made a lot of finals, of course, since having a child. And she's been really close. But in the final, she's got blown away and probably because of the pressure now. Can anyone get close to it? Maybe. Can anyone surpass it? I don't know. Because the issue is going to be how many more can Rafa win? Now, if he gets like 24, you're thinking like, who's going to do that? Now, I don't think it's even going to be from the Alcaraz generation. If someone's going to do it, it's probably going to be like another two generations. I would imagine it will get surpassed. My prediction is that record, the kind of ending total of the Grand Slam race from the three goats and like whoever does it i mean it'll be out of novak and rafa most likely from what we can see um i would imagine it doesn't get surpassed in our lifetimes in my lifetime anyway maybe you guys are super young uh, and it can happen in your guys lifetimes but yeah <laughs> gene says i'm desperate man i think about novak winning uh the title right let's have a look at some of the other stuff here Falcon says Eagle will sweep the competition even more than at Roland Garros. Mm. Sam says I've seen £1,000 as well for Zan. What? £1,000 where? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, yeah, for Wimbledon, crazy. George says if I got there at like 8 or 9 a.m., would that be enough for Centre or should I camp two nights? Would I much rather not camp two nights? Two nights? Well, that's pretty crazy. Uh, no, I'd say just get there maybe at like 6 a.m., 5, 5 a.m. maybe. I've never done it before, but I've heard people that have done it, and I'd imagine you should probably camp as early as possible if that means like maybe don't camp 
you know, at like 11 p.m. and then have to camp so that you stay overnight, I'd suggest maybe try and get there at like, yeah, I mean, if you can get there at like 4 or 5 a.m., that'd be good, I'd imagine. But I don't know. I don't know, it could have changed. Yeah, Alex says it's $50 to get into the Australian Open. That's because it sucks, Alex. I'm just joking. All you Australians don't hate me. I'm just joking. Just joking. Love the Australian Open. Love it. Love it. Right, let's get through all the rest of the questions. Da, da, da. George says, also, do you think Wimbledon will be as busy without Federer, Nadal, Zverev, Medvedev? Yes. 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 Falcon says, Alcaraz and Sviontek will rule tennis for many years. Hmm. Vanish says 2008 Federal US Open Vazan. Thank you, Vanish. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, yeah. So 2009 onwards, we've had we've had a different US Open champion. Crazy, absolutely crazy. Every single year. I says George, you're making me laugh. <laughs> I says George is Mister Positivity. I love it. Absolutely love it. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? George says liked and subbed. Thank you so much, George. Appreciate it. Follow George's example. Maybe not about the Alcaraz comment. No, just joking, George. Um, but in all seriousness, yeah, do remember to hit that like button, please, if you haven't done so already, and do subscribe if you're new. We're going to wrap up now very soon. Falcon says, will she run take with Wimbledon? I would imagine she's the favorite. Will she win it? Who knows? And uh, George says, what is, what is your live schedule? Stumbled across it today. Are enjoying it? I don't actually normally do lives like me. Q&As but if people are interested in this we can do this on a weekly basis I'd be happy to do it so let me know I'll probably post something in the community and if you guys are actually interested we can do this um, in terms of like live stuff so I do a lot of live commentary on matches so we'll be doing Wimbledon of course a lot of matches there we'll try and do some maybe this week for Stuttgart and um, Nottingham potentially probably do some of Queens yeah yeah, it should be good. Let's have a look. Uh, I said, how did Iga do it with last year? She lost to Andrzej Jabur, if I'm not mistaken. Alex says, what are the chances of Kyrgios... Chances Kyrgios does not have a temper tantrum at Wimbledon? Quite high, actually. Pre did he even have one last year? Mm, not sure. Might be okay. MQR says, finally, good Sviantec pronunciation. Ah, no worries. Alex says, thanks for Zan, always entertaining. No worries. And George says, Goff and Sviantec rivalry is going to be tasty for the coming years. Throw at Emma, Leila, and others. Uh, things are looking super interesting. It's interesting, right? Because I have to say, um, Sviantec did say that her biggest rival she feels going forward or long-term anyway, will be Raducanu, Leila Fernandez, and Coco Goff. We'll see. We'll see. Diogo says, I'm also a new sub. Great content. Thank you so much, Diogo, and also a great name. I'm going to try and say your name. Please don't hate me, but I just think it's worth trying to say. Diogo Jose Tex uh, Texiera? Or Texera? No, let's do this again. Diogo Jose Texera de Silva do Masarolos? Let me know if that's any good. Lexi says, nice for you to have Gil too. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. George says, same Sam would be unreal. Sam said, thanks for Zan. Love the stream. No problem. 
And uh, Isla says, Emma retired today. Hope she's okay for Wimbledon. I think she should be okay. And Alex says, Fazan's pronunciation of Sviantek is better than someone from Poland. Well, someone taught me in the chat, like Medvedev, I should be saying, right? Instead of Medvedev, I should probably remember to say that. Uh, Lexi says, who are you bringing in next? Well, surprise. Might have someone big coming on on Friday. Um, and if they do agree to it, which they have done so, then hopefully, um, hopefully it'll be alive. We'll see. We'll see. As I see, says, uh, we want Amy next. So Amy Lundy was actually supposed to come on, uh, but the issue was is that she's actually fallen out. Um, not major, but like she's one now. So I just said, uh, like, bless. She was like, rain check. I was like, yeah, of course, no problem at all. Uh, she's been on lots of times before, so um, we'll probably do something maybe before Wimbledon or after Wimbledon with her. But I've got someone new that I haven't had on the channel before. So we've had Gil Gross on, we've had Amy Lundy on, we've had the Game to Love Boys on, of course, love them, of course, Game to Love podcast, and we've had the Slice on as well. So those are the four channels we've had on. I think have we had anyone else on? I think that's everyone. Oh, and also someone from uh, oh, Sports Kida Tennis as well, which is quite cool. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Sam says, uh, Amy sounded, <laughs> sounded ill on the three podcast. Yeah. Who's Prakash? Don't know. John Silk Swanchek. Ah, that's good. Anyway, right, cool. Thanks very much, guys. Stay safe and well, and we'll see you on the next video. Remember to hit that. Uh, well, Sam says, bring Cam on. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm bringing him on. We'll see. 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 Um, won't say anything yet. Let's not jinx it. Thanks very much, guys. Stay safe and well. Remember to hit that like button and subscribe if you're new. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, great to have you guys on as always. Uh, really, really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, remember to hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much.